We are back. How is everybody doing out there? Hope you are doing well. My name is Andrew Kuhn. Thank you very much for tuning in to the Focus Compounding Podcast. Sitting alongside Mr. Jeff Gannon. Jeff, how's it going today? It's going great, Andrew. How is it going with you? It is going fantastic. I am excited to talk about today's podcast. Uh, the topic that we are going to discuss is we're going to be talking about pattern recognition. Okay. And I don't know if we've actually dedicated a podcast to it before, but obviously it's a pretty um, good topic to talk about and how it relates to investing. Mm-hmm. Um, before we go into that, though, of course, this is the audio part of our business. If you do want to get access to investing ideas, go to focuscompounding.com and be sure to sign up using the podcast promo code, which is podcast, and that will give $10 off the monthly price indefinitely as long as you do stay a member. Mm-hmm. So pattern recognition, obviously, it's a very important topic. Okay. And you know who talks a lot about pattern recognition? is Jim Chanos and he's yeah, he, okay. he, he talks about at his firm how there's certain individuals or all the PMs or mm-hmm. um, they've all been with the firm for a very long time okay. and the reason he says that you have to be with this firm for a very long time before making the PM level is because you have pattern recognition mm-hmm. which is obviously an edge maybe over people that haven't seen things play out what it's a this is a Sango uh, history doesn't often repeat itself or something, but it often rhymes, something mm-hmm. like that along yeah. those lines. And I think pattern recognition is a pretty good topic. And um, we've publicly talking about, have talked about it before, how when reading 10Ks over and over again and how you say that's the best way to learn, mm-hmm. a lot of that stems from pattern recognition. Right. Because then, you know, next time you read about a company, it sort of reminds you of a different company you read and how that situation was. Mm-hmm. And you kind of flow through with that. And, and recently... When I was reading about intercom mm-hmm. um, uh, communications, which how that situation was a reverse Morse trust, right. I learned about what a reverse Morse trust was, and mm-hmm. then we actually came across Ascendant, which was a similar situation. I was like, oh, mm-hmm. I knew right away what was going on within the business, and right. I was that much further along learning about Ascendant because I knew mm-hmm. how the back end was working because I studied intercom and how like the logistically it was all going to work out. Mm-hmm. So I think pattern recognition obviously is a good topic to sort of go around. So for you. Obviously, what does pattern recognition mean? Okay. And then how do you think people can improve on it and why is it important in investing? Okay. Well, I wrote a memo a while ago where I did a, I, I forget why, but I did a simile or whatever from from chess and I'll do that again here, which is um, so, someone was asking a, a chess grandmaster from, this is long dead chess grandmaster, but they were asking him, you know, how many moves ahead do you calculate? And he said, you know, if it's the right move, one. And <laughs> what he meant though is... Um, uh, that by knowing the positions, right, knowing the patterns of what things look like, you don't actually have to calculate that far in, in advance. And I think a lot of people think uh, that experts in things do it through that, that they're actually predicting the future by going, okay, well, I'll make this move, then he'll make this move, then he'll do it. And he's going five, six, seven moves deep. A computer does that. But a human being is not going to be doing that. What they're going to be doing is recognizing specific patterns of the position, what's at risk and what's not and how similar this is from something else and then just the ways in which it's slightly different right so they already are categorizing it as something that they've seen before right and then they just look at how it's similar or different and i think the same thing happens with investing a lot when people uh talk about um how to figure out a stock a lot of times i think they think dcf they think how to um make exact predictions about the future you know in essence it's the difference between knowing uh, pattern recognition, recognizing what they're looking at, and just trying to brute force calculate this thing out all the different ways that it could be. Um, and I think that's very hard to do. 
to, to take a completely novel situation, something you haven't seen before, and say, okay, well, let me assign probabilities to the future of it, and, and let me go out five years or, or more and, and calculate these things, and then work back from that to what the present value should be now. In theory, that works, but I think it's very hard for a human being to do. Sure. And how do you think people can improve on their pattern recognition skills? Well, read a lot of 10Ks and stuff, yeah. but then also think about why you like a particular company. Um, we were talking recently about uh, different companies, and I was saying that uh, a few of them were, were all fit a pattern of being a lot less risky than one of the others. And a lot of that had to do with like really high retention rate, total lack of uh, like liabilities, and, you know, having cash on hand and no liabilities and, and very high retention rate in the business. And that's very different from a company um, that doesn't have those characteristics. Mm-hmm. And, but a lot of people aren't thinking in terms of something like retention rate, right? So it, it, unless you have a name for it, unless you are actually categorizing things along that way, you could have seen a lot of stocks but not think about, okay, well, they keep all their customers from year to year, and that makes things more predictable than a company that uh, doesn't have any repeat customers, right? And so I, I think that you know, giving a name to the specific categories of what you find is, is a big part of it. No, I think that's, that's a great point. Do you read history? Ever like on like history in the markets or yeah was that you that said go and sometimes read um like an old newspaper yes. or something like I didn't yeah. know if that was you or if I heard no, more about say about yeah. that but and I've said that before I think also about reading investing books yeah like I think it's even something like the Peter Lynch books or something are even more valuable now because it is in the market environment that we're in now yeah I think way too many people read about things that are now and they sort of think that it's better mm-hmm. because they're reading up to date books and things but you go yeah. back and you read things you know in in the 2010s you want to read things from the 1970s and the 1990s and the 1950s and get more of a sense of of all the different patterns that there are that way no yeah and i think that's great and for a while and i haven't done it in in probably a few months but every now and then i like to read um case studies so like Mm -hmm. things that have happened like harvard uh uh, i think harvard case studies is what they actually Mm -hmm. call it you could go to their website and you could buy uh, a paper that someone has written up and and i was sort of fascinated with frauds Mm -hmm. and companies and what caused them um, just to sort of reverse engineer it on the on the long side, and right. I was reading about like Enron, WorldCom, and all mm-hmm. those. And and um, I've been I recently I read a book called Shaky Ground, which is about uh, the, the Fannie and Freddie and like the whole okay. 2008 financial situation. Mm-hmm. And it's like I I'm reading it not necessarily because I think Fannie and Freddie is an investment case today, right. but really just because I think it's good to read about markets and then you sort of learn about different situations of what happened and what caused it, and that's just only gonna um, increase your pattern recognition skills, right? right. And we always talk about how everything investing in this business is all knowledge is cumulative. Right. And I think that that goes sort of hand in hand with pattern recognition. Yeah. And that's a big part of, I think, why people have trouble understanding how Warren Buffett can make a decision so quickly on something. Yeah, he's seen it all. Right. But it's because if, if it's completely something that doesn't fit any pattern, well, he's not going to make a decision on it in five minutes. He's going to pass on it for now. Exactly. Right? Yeah. But if it is something that fits patterns that he's seen before, then he's going to buy it. What he's not doing is sitting down and saying, okay, let me calculate this all out in five minutes. That's not what he's going to do because if it's something he's never seen before, he's not going to have a lot of confidence in his calculation of it that way. Yeah, you know? and that's why people say, I mean, Warren's a better investor today than he was even 15 or 20 years mm-hmm. ago. It's because he, just, he has so much built-up knowledge. Right. He's like an encyclopedia. And I think that's how people make – when they do make good snap decisions – it's because they actually have this huge um, sort of mental file cabinet full of these patterns that they've seen before, and it fits that. And a lot of times things don't fit that, and so you end up passing on a lot of things, or a lot of things would take an incredible amount of time and effort to figure out. But the, the time after you put into figuring those things out now is what forms the patterns that you recognize in, in future times. And so actually a lot of the 
um, the value that you get from researching stocks and stuff actually comes from future uh, investments that you make more than people would think. Like it's not just that learning about a company today doesn't just give you value about that company. It's actually when you accumulate all those things about you look at a hundred different companies, that's actually what forms your ability to understand things in the future really fit really oh, fast. Yeah, yeah. And that's it. And and that's why I always say, I mean, and that's why you always say just keep reading 10 K's. Yeah. It's not because to find the next investment idea per mm-hmm. se, of course, if you come across that's incredible, but it's because yeah. you're building up a knowledge base of different businesses where there's going to come that time what do they say when opportunity meets preparation or mm-hmm. vice versa, whatever it is, that's when you could act, you know, sort of heavily and act with conviction. Yeah. And so, uh, and it's, it's one of the most important parts of what we do. And it's actually one of the most important parts of, of learning. I think it is the most important part about learning about investing. Actually, when people sort of talk about when they say that they're having trouble or struggling with whatever things they're putting a lot of time and effort into it. If there is any sort of expertise in investment stuff, it is that ability to do the pattern recognition stuff. It's really not learning the theory behind some things, which is very basic. You know, um, the the actual amount of like theory that you apply. I mean, I read the Intelligent Investor and Security Analysis when I was like sixteen. There's not a lot of theory that you need beyond that. You could take that and apply it, especially for an individual or someone investing small sums of money. That's all that you would ever need. It's just applying that over being able to see so quickly what you're looking for. So it's pretty much just getting the right way to think about it, think about investing, and then from there it's just building up a database of businesses and then sort of going that way. Yeah, yeah. and it's also sticking to those patterns that you recognize, mm-hmm. you know, which is sort of like the circle of competence thing that Warren Buffett talks about. Um, not trying to go and, and invest in things that are that are not the kinds of things that you've invested in before that you feel you don't understand that well. Um, and, and that gets us into the sort of superficial categorization versus what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. So I think that if you do develop an expertise in investing, you'll have different sorts of names and categories for things than kind of the generic default things that you hear about. So what we're not talking about is, you know, a pattern recognition is not a oh, large cap domestic stock. Yeah, or whatever, sure. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and it, it, it's much more about finding similarities between things that might look different at first. So what do you think is like a, a pattern recognition of like Warren Buffett, right? What do you think he, he would look at in a business, right? Alice Schroeder has always written about um, if it has any sort of catastrophic risk, forget it. He's not right. even going to take a look at so it. He's not even going to think about it. Yeah, absolutely. That's a process thing he does. It's like the first thing he eliminates. A high marginal business. That's mm-hmm. something that he likes to see, obviously. Yeah. What we talked about recently, I think, is a really good one of how quickly these things can happen. Uh, we were talking, and I said um, that there was something you could see even without looking at the balance sheet that told you that this company, what it was is that the free cash flow was consistently exceeding the net income. Mm-hmm. And so I said, so right off the bat, you can tell this company is either going to be a um, negative net working capital company that's growing or a positive working capital company that's shrinking. Mm-hmm. So either it has a lot of inventory receivables, whatever, and it's shrinking, it's getting smaller and smaller, sort of liquidating, or this is some growing business that has some sort of deferred revenue thing. It's collecting fees up front or something. And that's what happened. And, but you can tell that is just by looking at the income statement when you have a pat, when you've seen this pattern so many times over and over again. Now, can I come up with a formula for that? Like a definition of it? Yeah. You could come up with that where you could explain it as a definition of it, but it's easier if you know five other companies that look like that, that you've just seen companies that have free cash flow exceeding net income and you go, okay, I know how that works rather than trying to explain the concept of float and how that would show up in the income statement and and the free cash flow statement and all that in like a, a definition sort of way. 
So this is sort of like looking for the pattern instead of the textbook definition, mm-hmm. right? This is sort of in place of like a formula for something. Is sure. understanding it that way, yeah. Yeah. No, and I think that's great. And and when you think about Warren, like over his career, even today, he doesn't even use a computer in his office. I think that's right. probably a big help. Yeah, oh, I mean, it's incredible help. I mean, yeah. he's not on Twitter. He's not on his mm-hmm. phone or whatever. I mean, what's he doing? He doesn't even have a cell phone. I think mm-hmm. he does, but he doesn't use he it. He doesn't have a smartphone. He talked about yeah. uh, when Lehman went under or whatever. Did I you think, ever hear that story? Yeah. How they, they he like, a year later or, some, or sometime after they went under, he mm-hmm. actually saw that, like, they left him a voicemail yep. to make a deal or something like that. Yeah, I think he has a flip phone. Yeah, flip yeah. phone. Um, but if you see what he's doing and like uh, there's a documentary on his his routine hasn't changed it oh, the HBO like, documentary do you mean? yeah he, yeah, he yeah. he's still reading about companies maybe mm-hmm. not so much now than he was in the earlier days because he's you know so familiar but he's still just sitting there reading and thinking all day long yep and even ted and um todd they said working for warren that's all they do it's just 12 hours of reading all day long mm-hmm. with no distractions yep. so you think about it if you form your life or you sort of set up your life to be able to do that right and cut out all the noise. I mean, just think how even a year, how much you can learn Absolutely. and how much you can learn about so many different businesses. Mm-hmm. And some people obviously can't do that because they have other jobs or sure. they have whatever going on. But add up all the time that you have some involvement with investment things, whether it's general news things that you're reading, whether it's uh, whatever things about the overall allocations that you're doing, yeah. whatever, and think if all of that was focused on just reading 10Ks, Yeah. right? And there are other things that you can do, but I think for the average person, the thing that's most useful is to really be quickly understand the key economic drivers for a business. So to sort of have those patterns of how businesses look. It's important because I think people get confused with like the S&P 500 index or something. They think an index, the returns in the index are sort of like the returns that you'd expect from the stocks over time in them. But the individual stocks, a few of them will be big winners, but a lot will actually go to zero over a long period of time. And if you really look at them as individual 10Ks and also like over long periods of time, you start to have a history with them where you've revisited this company for 10 years or something and you've seen kind of what's happened, you'll get a better idea for how these things work out long term. Um, The most important patterns are the ones where it's something that has uh, a really different long term outcome. So sort of the things that are extremely low risk of going under at any point, you know, extremely low catastrophe risk. And... Um, also, you know, a good geometric return, a good a compound annual growth rate possibilities over long periods of time, because there's all sorts of things we could talk about, about way value investing works and stuff, but being able to identify the company that is on a better trajectory for the next 10 years than, than the one that might not be is probably the most helpful thing to see that immediately mm-hmm. because the other things are pretty much calculated for you, Right. It, there's usually there's not much debate over what the PE is and what the price to book is sure. and what the EVD but is, but there's a lot of debate about what the company's going to look like in five or ten years, how safe it is, right? Sometimes, and how you're going to get there, right? Mm-hmm. Sure. It's getting past the superficial things to sort of look at, oh, this is actually a safe company, but it may not look that way. So you know, if you can get to the point where you can recognize the things that make a blue chip company safe, and then you can apply those ideas to, okay, well, can I find the same things in like a small company? or a company that's not listed on a major exchange, or a company in another country, or whatever, you know? Because obviously, if you go and try to buy a blue chip stock in the US, you're gonna pay for it. You know who does that? Who does that? Guy Spear. Yeah? He, I think he, re- he wrote about it in, um, 
education of value investor or something. Mm-hmm. I know he's probably said that when he finds an idea that he likes, maybe in the United States, the first mm-hmm. thing he does is he goes and tries to see if he could find a similar business in a different country. That makes a lot of sense. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Because you want to avoid the things that are recognized for it. So, um, you know, the market wasn't bad at, at correctly picking the nifty 50 in the sense that these will be good businesses for a long time, but it bid them up too much. But there are other companies that weren't in the Nifty 50 that had some of the same characteristics. So how do you find that and recognize it and find it in something smaller, something in a different place, or something that's out of favor right now? You know. Mm-hmm. No, I think that's that's great. So if for people listening, and mm-hmm. and we we hit on this so much, but I think it's yeah. so important, right, to prove your pattern recognition skills because that's in itself such a huge skill in mm-hmm. investing. That's your sort of your personal asset, I guess you could say, in mm-hmm. investing. It's. To read 10Ks. It's to read 10Ks in groups. So it's to read 10Ks by picking five related stocks. Yeah, so like in the same industry, right? Yeah. Yeah. And then you compare them against each other and see what's different and what's the same. And what's the best. Right. Right. And what's the best. But also like, so why does this business model work better than this one, right? Or why does this result in this happening and this other one doesn't? So it's really reading about, we've talked about home builders, okay? It's reading about uh, Greenbrick Partners and LGI Homes and uh, NVR. Yeah. So there's a lot of different home builders, but some of them are quite similar. But the three that I just gave you there are actually have pretty different business models. Sure. And so if you, even if it was just those three were the only home builders you read about, that would actually give you a fuller view of the, how home builders can work. And it would give you an idea of like why the um, average home builders returns aren't like NVR's returns are, yeah. mm-hmm. you know, and things like that. So I think that that, um, and the same thing, like we we did uh, reports, which are on the uh, Focus Compounding website, about different MROs, uh, distributors. And so uh, we, we researched like three of them or something, and they all have different business models. They all claim they're the best, but you get into things about how they distribute things, what kind of customers they focus on, all sorts of things that really get into the product economics and understanding them. And we did five or six different banks, and you really get into what makes a good bank. You can't really tell what a good bank is until you've, researched a few other banks sure you know and so when you research five or six banks together then you'll really see how attractive one is you know and that's why like um why i really liked frost for instance or like bank of hawaii not as fast growing as frost but those sorts of things because they just look so different in terms of the deposits they have versus i could look at 50 different banks and generally i wouldn't find those that i thought had the quality of deposits that banks like that have and you know what's cool too right when i say all knowledge is cumulative when Mm -hmm. you were learning about frost and you were also learning about bank of hawaii Mm -hmm. you also were learning about the demographics in hawaii and you were also learning about the demographics in fort worth Mm -hmm. right and and sort of the types of customers that they have in that general area as well yeah you know and you don't know where you're ever going to need that information again but it's there true you know and you could always reference and pull it out of the cookie jar Mm -hmm. yeah And, you know, I owned a, a supermarket stock a long time ago, and I've since gotten people uh, pitching me different supermarket ideas because they're like, oh, I know that you talked about supermarkets once. And so, you yeah. know, here and, and these are the different things. And I have certain ideas about what makes a successful supermarket and, and what doesn't. And we there was one that we talked about, and, and you gave me where the locations were and what their sizes were and stuff. And I was like, uh. Yeah. But it was how many, you know, I mean. I think you said their gross mar- profit that was better than most or something like that. I forget what we were looking at the numbers briefly. That if their gross margins were better, their operating expenses weren't that high. Yeah, so I was saying their yeah. operating expenses as a percent mm-hmm. of sales wasn't that bad, so if they could get their gross margins up, it would be okay. Mm-hmm. But they didn't have clusters, local area clusters that I was expecting, and their size of the stores weren't big enough. You want to cluster large stores in certain places to get the lower cost there. But the, the point is, in a few 
by just asking a few questions, we got to some of the economics and what the problems would be of that business, which is you need greater concentration in a local area to achieve the economics that I want to see with a supermarket. And we could answer that question pretty fast. Because you've studied it in the past. Right. And I've seen what ones work and what ones have trouble with that and, and what sort of things do that. Now, you could probably go find someone who's been a successful investor in supermarkets or is a CEO of a, of a supermarket company or something and um, talk to them and say, you know, how does this business work and whatever, and maybe they could explain it the same way to you. Um, but, you know, it, it, that's what it is. You're kind of trying to figure out what makes this business successful and what makes this other one not successful. Yeah. Um, and so I think you have, to, you have to come up with different categories, different patterns that you're seeing that are different from the sorts of ones that most people are carving the world up into. You don't want the sort of very superficial ones. You don't want, okay, this is an airline stock. Yeah. You want to understand, well, is one airline better than another airline? What other industries are airlines like? You know, those sorts of things. And so it it isn't about, um, you have to get past that superficial part. And a lot of it is that when I talk to people, that's kind of one of the biggest things is taking a pattern that they have from some other industry or something and applying it to this particular one like when you go from industry to industry they oh it's almost like they forgot everything they learned about company in another industry yeah right so they learned about cruise lines or railroads or something and now they're going into airlines and it's like they're starting from square one right where there should be so much that you can take from those other industries so much of those things have analogs in 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 terms of the aspects of the business in this other uh, industry, and that's the kind of patterns that I'm talking about. And those are things that you find out for yourself. They're not so much things that you'll uh, read about in a you know uh, textbook on the industry or something. No, I think that's that's a great point. And to obviously improve on that, it's just keeping your head down and reading about a bunch of different businesses. I would say, mm-hmm. absolutely, with a focus on what makes a business successful or not. And definitely, I'd say reading them in groups. So many people, I think that's focus on one do. stock in yeah. an industry, like because yeah. they hear about that stock or whatever, and they learn about that stock. And I'll ask, like, um, so, you know, because they've read a write-up or something, and that's why they're reading about this particular bank or something. But I'll say, so, you know, what is it about this bank compared to banks X, Y, and Z that makes it so attractive? Like, oh, it just looks cheaper. I haven't read about X, Y, and Z. Okay, well, but then go out and read about X, Y, and Z so that you can compare it and see. It's one of the first things you want to do in any industry, you know? No, I think that's great. And and I've always, I've talked about it when I was in um, analyzing a bunch of businesses in the home builder industry. Mm -hmm. I felt like I, I got so much out of it much more than if I just read about Green Rick Partners when I read like about four other home builders. Yeah, and sometimes you have to expand that circle of competence and that's hard because um, to do this, it means that when you go and read about your first real estate company, let's say, or something, you know, it's going to be impossibly difficult. You're not going to feel like you understand anything about it. You're not going to want to buy the stock, you know. But once you're on your 10th, then it's going to just, it's going to be very automatic. No, I, co- I completely agree with that. And I think that's a good takeaway for a lot of people to sort of add to their own investor toolkit. And it's been the common theme here. I think mm-hmm. if people ask how to get better, how to um, improve pattern recognition, how to become, you know, whatever, I just center around how to become a better investor. Mm-hmm. The answer has always been the same. It's just continuing to read 10 Ks. Yeah. Learning about a bunch of different businesses. Absolutely. The one thing you might want to add to that for people uh, listening is, you, they might want to come up with like a question about why they're reading this 10K and write it right on the front of that 10K. Because so many people, I think, can get lost in what they're doing. So write down why does NVR have the highest returns on capital in, in this industry or something. And that can be your thing that you're trying to figure out or something. So you have more of a purpose while you're doing it. I think that can be really helpful because so many people get lost in the 
um, the breadth of the of the ten k that they're reading, and they lose track of the thread that they're really trying to figure out. That's what Munger always says. The you have to keep asking why, 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 yeah. and then hope for a few insights. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's a good way to do it. It's actively reading it. It's yeah, not, you know. Yeah. I mean, you always talk about how when you decide to read about a company, that's the only company you dedicate to reading that day because it's 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 a very active exercise. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Know? Yeah. I think that's a great point. Cool. Any other thoughts on the topic? Nope, that's it. I think that was, that was a great discussion. Well, we want to thank everybody for tuning in and listening to us here today at the Focus Compounding Podcast. If you do want to get access to Jeff's um, weekly memo that we do send out, this was an investing topic episode. Jeff does send out a weekly memo on an investing topic himself. And if you go to focuscompounding.com on the homepage, you'll see a spot to enter in your email, and that will put you on the list to receive that from us once a week. Mm-hmm. All good. On Sunday. On Sunday. Some point. We say Sunday morning. Sometimes, actually, one time it got sent out on a Monday, okay. and I put Jeff's Sunday morning memo, and then in parentheses, on a Monday. On a Monday. So okay. it's all good. It's just the title roll. Like, <laughs> so wanna, I'm sure you have a topic like this. I'm sure there'll be a pattern recognition one. Yeah, I think it's a good one to, mm-hmm. to talk about. We want to thank everybody for tuning in and listening with us here today. We do thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you in the next podcast. Take care.